Jason. My special, special boy. Do you know what your gift is? No matter what they do to you, you cannot die. You can never die. You've just been sleeping, honey. But now, the time has come to wake up. Mommy has something she wants you to do. I need you to go to Elm Street. The children have been very bad on Elm Street. Rise up, Jason! Your work isn't finished! Hear my voice and live again! Make them remember what fear tastes like! I have been away from my children for far too long. Welcome to The Last Theater on the Left. My name is Chris. And my name is Joey. And we have arrived at one that we've been looking forward to for probably the entirety after we got out of the first few. Looking forward to this movie. This is night 11 of the Friday the 13th marathon on The Last Theater on the Left, which you can find on cnjradio.com. And this is Freddy vs. Jason. Yes. A long time coming, not just from this series, but... Back all the way, I started reading Entertainment Weekly when I was right. like 12 years old, yeah. and then I got these free movie trades from the rental stores, and yeah. all the hot rumor mill was talking about Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah. From what I recall, see, I don't know about all the other stuff from the late 80s as far as the attempts on this, Sure, but since 1991, mm. even prior to Jason Goes to Hell, I was reading about a Freddy vs. Jason showdown. Yeah. So had to wait 12 years <laughs> from my brain. Right. So I got to say, you know, I could nitpick this movie, but I, and I don't know who's disappointed in this movie and who isn't as far as like from their first watch all the way up until now. Sure. But I enjoyed this movie. I had money on this, <laughs> which ended, you know, okay, spoiler, yeah. if you haven't seen this damn thing, man, it's a culmination, right. but yeah, I no money was exchanged, right. you know, because we yeah. decided it was a push. Yeah, it it got up to like 60 bucks, I think, and <laughs> at that time, that was a lot of money, yeah. still is, but yeah, so I didn't lose anything, but right. I, I bet on Freddy, actually, by oh, the way, wow. that's full disclosure, okay. I, yeah. yeah, so I, I, I bet on Freddy. And it was looking real good for a while there, but that's all. But we can talk about that later. But yeah. I, basically, right up front, I was not disappointed in this movie. It's yeah. super duper fun. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, rewards for fans. Oh, yeah. tons of callbacks to to all different movies from both series. Sure. And you know, whatever, however they Frankenstein the script, I yeah. think that's the best they could have done at that time it, and yeah. i don't know how i would have done it right and i've heard about all the what ifs which we can talk about if you want but there's so much to talk about in this movie regardless <laughs> just movie on the surface right right oh. yeah because there's there is a ton to it and you like you were saying this is it is the culmination of two series obviously friday the 13th and the nightmare on elm street series uh but since this is the friday the 13th marathon i think we should focus this review 
in the way that it is a continuation of simply the Friday the 13th series. Okay. So maybe a little bit different approach, because it's been a while since I've gone through the entire Nightmare series. Okay. So there are a lot of callbacks, and I did remember a lot, because I've seen a lot of those movies a lot of times. But I think, because, so, I have a question. Yeah. So at this point, I feel like eventually we will get to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise review, similar to what we're doing with this. Yeah, how about coming 2018? All right, sure. Spring Break in Springwood. All right, yeah. We, I guess that's we that's written down. That's breaking news. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's in audio and it's on the internet, so that makes it absolutely set in stone. Ah, uh, but so okay. So question is, are we going to do an entire episode devoted to this movie twice? Yeah, let's let's do Jason. Okay, let's let's team Jason it for All this right. episode as best as we can. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna pretend like I'm not familiar with the right. Freddy side yeah. of things, but yeah, let's try to focus on Jason. But yeah, we just have to put this in the context of, like I said, continuing the series, and I think sure. it's that's a good way to approach it because when I look at this movie, I was when I was watching it this time. I've never really done it this way before, but I was watching it as. A Friday the Thirteenth movie. And I wish I'd have done that. Almost <laughs> specifically as that, although it's difficult because it's so different from any of the previous Friday the Thirteenth movies. Yeah, I mean it's. I mean, you're, first of all, you know, and I, I try not to go too much into behind the scenes stuff on here yeah. because I mean that's other. You know, we talked about the documentaries. We've covered all this stuff. Right. However. Uh, you know, I'm sure. Let, let's say longtime Jason fans that were yeah. rooting for Jason from day one, right, had to be a little concerned because yeah. we're under the New Line umbrella. It's the house that Freddy built, literally the house that Freddy yeah. built. New Line Cinema exists because of Freddy Krueger, yeah, or else they probably wouldn't have made it. Sure. So that being said, you see what New Line has done to this. Friday the Thirteenth franchise, yeah, since or Jason films. That was one of since, the first things I was gonna say is that the since they've moved to New Line, and even if you don't even know or care about any of that stuff, the latest entries in the Friday series have been there. Friday hasn't been in the title; they're the Jason movies, and the after they well even before since Part Eight, it hasn't really felt so much as a. Friday the 13th movie, it's not in the woods necessarily all the time, it's not on a lake, whatever, that kind of thing, and they moved further and further away. Yeah. With each consecutive movie, it's gotten further and further away from that, literally, into space, yeah. and to <laughs> another Earth, so... Yeah. And here's the other thing that Jason has going against yeah. him. Like, literally, the four, the Crystal Lake stuff yeah. takes place in the first five minutes of the movie, right. of Freddy vs. Jason, yeah. and the last, let's say, 10, 15 minutes sure. of this movie. And then everything else in between... Yeah. Definitely comes off more as a Nightmare on Elm Street film. Absolutely. So that's the one thing that Jason has going against him already right off the bat. Yeah. And the thing from the entertainment and just regular crowd point of view. Yeah. Let's say there's someone that has just gone to the theater and seen every one of these movies from these respected franchises over the years. Mm. And let's say they're not even hardcore fans, but they're enough to go to the theater every time. Yeah. They have been missing Freddy a lot more than they've right. been missing Jason. Yeah. And I dig the fact that that's what they base Freddy's storyline on going yeah. in here. Yeah. Still trying to talk about Jason, but <laughs> it was on my mind. Well, no, absolutely. Because you can't... With these... So, when you set up a movie and it's called Freddy vs. Jason, the stars of the movie have to be Freddy vs. Jason. 
and they have to fight, and they probably have to fight a lot. In Freddy vs. Jason, yeah, they have they did fight a lot in this movie, but when you look at these two characters individually, and if Jason has never really been the protagonist in one of the movies, like because he's he doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. He's a big hulking thing. He's more like an animal. We've kind of mentioned that, and they mm-hmm. his mother, or well, the the <laughs> Freddy version of Jason's mother says yeah. that in the movie. That's You're just how a I can dog. Yeah, and that's know? how I can forgive them. Uh, you know, not having Betsy Palmer in it, yeah. even though that's that is terrible. But yeah. I understand that she's just never wanted to come yeah. back to do it. She did the conventions, right? But yeah, she didn't want to really do it. I th- what is that? I think two was the last time yeah, she did she original was in footage. One or two, yeah. Yeah, so you know, I, you know, uh, yeah. I respect her decision, but that's the only time my brain—I I just tell my brain like, this is why, right? They, Mrs. Voorhees doesn't look like sure the actual one. Yeah, okay, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and yeah, there's nothing you can do about that. Yeah, yeah. The but when you look at these two characters, you can't really build a movie around Jason as the main person. He has to be not secondary necessarily, but he has to have someone else to take the brunt of the story and move it forward because he Jason doesn't move the story forward Jason only reacts to things and yeah. so you ha- there was Jason no, Jason is one dimensional yeah there was no way you could make it any other way than having Freddy be the main person in this movie and yeah. Jason reacting to that yeah and I'm not saying Jason's one dimensional I'm not trying to be disparaging to Jason by saying that <laughs> it's because Freddy's backstory yeah. is freaking amazing yeah. versus Jason Freddy wins in that department in my opinion yeah well yeah because Jason's is so convoluted at this point that with, <laughs> with all of these things we've been saying yeah. that they brought it back up in this one they've kind of drifted away from the the legend of Jason Voorhees like we talked about in a lot of the earlier ones through parts like six five and six and so talking about this is a legend and we don't know if any of this backstory is true or not you see little bits and pieces that say yeah it probably is but they brought it back up in freddy versus jason they were saying this is the legend of jason Voorhees, but freddy's story in universe is well documented yeah people know about it and his storyline has been consistent yeah uh you know wes craven has pretty much had his hands on it you know Maybe to different varying degrees of interest. Yeah. But one thing remains is that Freddy's storyline stays consistent. The more they peel back on his backstory, the better. And I usually hate that with killers. But yeah. the more they talk about Freddy and the more they give the backstory, I dig it. And I still like that they peeled more layers back to the character on this one. I'm talking about Freddy again. I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. But I can't help it. <laughs> yeah. You, but Because, yeah, the Freddy is an interesting character to himself. I think when we do in Spring Break and when we do the Nightmare series, I'm going to start complaining about how goofy Freddy gets in the comedy because I don't like some of the later ones where he's super comical. Sure. But that notwithstanding, he is an interesting character. And a lot of times in these slashers, Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, characters like that, I don't necessarily want to be sure of their history because not knowing about it makes it scarier. Well, yeah, I, I that's how I sell Michael Myers. The, definitely the less you know about Michael Myers, the better. Although, I, like I said, I'm, I'm different about it with Freddy. I really that's am. What, yeah, that's what I'm getting to. The, the point with Freddy is that he is such a character and Robert England brings him to life so well yeah. that... You do want to know more about him, and the more you know about him, the scarier he is, because mm-hmm. you get into the child murders and things like that, yeah. and that's like super creepy, and it gets into your skin. Yeah. 
And it makes you think about him more when you know more about who he is. And that's his whole deal is yeah. it's all in your head. And yeah. that's kind of, so it, that plays on the audience kind of similarly to how it plays on the people in these movies. Plus the Freddy got the narrative at the top of the film, yeah. which also makes it more of a Freddy movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it, let's say you went into this movie not having seen any of the prior entries. That's my next point. You yeah. got Freddy's backstory way more locked in in your head than you do Jason's. Why is Jason such a mama's boy? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, it, the, yeah. You don't really, you don't get that in this movie. Well, you get enough. You get what you need. Sure, but like, you know, it, it does, uh, the the only thing that I think they use the mom for is because they have, they're have they going with the Jason's a puppet thing, you know. And, yeah. And he's easily manipulated when yeah. it comes to evil entities <laughs> sure yeah he's well he's easily manipulated by pretty much anything like, right. yeah. <laughs> like a flashlight in part eight was able to manipulate him yeah. so yeah but that's the good thing. and the bad <laughs> yeah so getting to like the the plot of freddie versus jason yeah if you have never seen you were talking about this movie being it's an this was an event movie oh, and God. it drew lots of people that had probably never seen any movies of either series yeah. but you Regardless, at this time especially, this is 2003 when this came out, you know who these characters are. Sure. And they're so they're, when they're see, icons. They yeah. are household names. Yeah. They're every cliche I could give it, but it's freaking true. Yeah. So even if you've never seen any movie in, t- in its entirety from either of these series, you still are pretty likely to maybe go to this movie because your friends are going. It's a party mm-hmm. movie. It's so... If this is one of those movies where you take a group of friends to watch the movie because it's so over the top and it is campy, but it's not silly necessarily. It, at times, it gets a little silly, it does. but it's not as over the top as it could have been. It isn't as goofy as a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies got. Yeah. But the point is that so a lot of people had never seen anything, so they don't know the background of either character. So looking at this from a Friday the Thirteenth movie perspective. If you go into this movie knowing absolutely zero about Freddy Krueger, in the first five minutes, you know everything you need to know. Exactly. And the way they set it up, and even if you don't get all the callbacks to the previous Nightmare movies, which you caught more than I did in this last watch, then as the movie goes and the story progresses, you know the Freddy character pretty well in the first ten minutes, and you know the how it all works with him within those first things. And they do kind of play a little bit with the uh i guess how they work both characters jason and freddie in this movie to kind of fit this story but it still matches the the overall mythos of the characters if it doesn't match a hundred percent to their actual movie mythos yeah did you feel the similarity at from the beginning of part seven the new blood as as the beginning of Freddy versus Jason, it's damn near the same opening. Oh yeah, except you got Crazy Ralph doing Jason's there. Yeah. but it's so similar. Yeah, it like, is. Like that's the first time I picked up on that because yeah. we've been watching him back to back to back. Yeah, it, so. it really is. There's lots of callbacks. It was pretty obvious that um, writer, director, whoever, probably all of them, really paid attention to those movies and they picked out the bits that people relate to and that people do remember from the the previous films and that's all we ask for that that's all we ask for like willing to suspend massive disbelief in order to be entertained by these characters that i care for so much as weird as that sounds yeah so yeah that's all i need like little things the shish kebab came back 
Uh, oh yeah, that's the, a that's a big Friday the Thirteenth callback. The uh, double stab through the boy and girl as they're having sex, but it was there was a twist to it in this one. Total it's really twist. like creepy, gross twist. Sure, there's a lot of, but like, it's well done. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of really dark, gross, especially sexual humor in this movie. Yeah, most of it comes from Freddy, but some of it just comes from the movie itself, like yeah. how it's done. Well, and, it needs to be more extreme. Live in a more yeah. extreme time. Sure, it's more modern times. It's definitely less all-American, yeah. but it kind of is all-American <laughs> at the same time. Jason gets stabbed with an American flag towards the end of the movie. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Got the Hulk Hogan theme yeah. going through my head. But the other thing, and this is probably coincidence, but I love the fact that the deputy, who, who's the only cop that yeah. really actually cares, of course, right. much like in Scream. Yeah. So yeah. he reminded me a lot of the Dewey character. I was about to say the so. exact same thing. A lot of this movie did remind me of a lot of Scream. Yeah. So it's it's the the slasher influencing the future generation, which influences the the not even the next generation, but the movies that come after it. So it's like cannibalizing the thing that cannibalized it in the first place. It's yeah. really interesting to see how that kind of thing translates and, and comes through. It's yeah. Sorry, I'm on a tangent. No, anyway. no, 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 it's great. But the coincidence I was getting to was that the deputy said that the Jason thing could be a copycat murder, which immediately made me think of part five. Yeah. So I don't know if that was in there for that reason, but I love that it's in there. Yeah, it could be. It, it might be a... Because you asked me, is that a reference? I'm like, eh, not, maybe, not necessarily. It could be. Yeah. But I mean, it fits. And even if it isn't, it fits completely into the narrative. It doesn't feel like it was shoved, shoehorned in there. Yeah. And it makes sense, and it does remind you of previous films in the franchise. Yeah, because as far as, like, the Jason arc... And I'm going to Freddy versus Jason this again. Yeah. The Jason arc, you really only have to have seen the first movie and maybe the second. But that's that's bonus points. Yeah. As far as like any references they're going to pull. Yeah. Or backstory, of course. I guess you do need to watch too because of the aspect that Jason is the killer now. So yeah. let's go with that. So you really only need to see the first two. There's multiple references to almost every Freddy movie. Yeah. In, in this one. And even the way he acts. Yeah. But we'll save that for <laughs> the Freddy version. Yeah, I guess we should save a little bit of that. You're right. But the question I wanted to ask right. you, the way that this film was approached as far as the effects and the gore and stuff sure. like that, am I wrong in thinking that there's a massive Hong Kong influence on this movie? Is it just because the guy's Chinese or... Is, is there something else I'm missing? Because that, that's why I want to ask you this question. Do you do you feel like that influence is in this movie? I think it's definitely there. Ronnie Yu did... I haven't seen a ton of his movies, but I have seen some of them. He did Bride of Chucky. Okay. Uh, so that's one thing. You can kind of... I like Bride of Chucky. But that was a lot more comical. Sure. Very much a comedy first. I think we mentioned that in one of our yeah, previous episodes so. here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he also did... Uh, he did Jet Li's Fearless, which actually he did after this. Oh. And he also did a movie... I think most Western audiences, if you're going to know one of his movies, uh, The Bride with White Hair, he did that. And it's a, it's a dark action movie. Um, but I do... Like, the Hong Kong influence to me feels like uh like you said it's mostly in the action you can see little things like you know in the hong kong action movies that they have when they're doing the fight scenes they have the powder on the guy so when you see the impact of the kicks or the punches or whatever you actually see it there's a little puff that okay. happens and you can see that in this movie oh can you yeah okay, there's right. there's times in the movie i don't you may not have noticed it but yeah. i did and when especially when jason is getting hit 
you see little puffs like whenever one of them he whenever he gets hit because Freddy has some pretty good fighting skills Dude, towards the end of that movie. This is the kind of fighting that like Freddy can't do in any yeah. of his other movies because he's like <laughs> he's just yeah. hacking away yeah. with the glove on Jason. Yeah, and it's like you've never seen that before. And I it's love a lot that of fun. Kind of I love the way they set the two of them up. But yeah, talking about Ronnie Yu's the influence he brings to it, I think. Hit the way this film is shot, it's I really like it. I yeah. really like the visual aspect of it. I was noting to you, like, hey, look at how this is lit. There's scenes where it's completely red. A lot of time when it's yeah, the, the first boiler room scene yeah. during the rave, and there's there's a few others too. But and it fits the mood, and that's why, especially in the dream sequences. Yeah, I like those. Uh, yeah, when the water comes down in that first big fight between Freddy and Jason, when yeah. it's in the dream sequence in the boiler room, yeah. when the water comes down, it all turns green, and that feels like a new neutral ground for both of them because it's either red or it's blue but that one is green so I'm, i know i didn't watch the colors to see Christmas the meaning <laughs> yeah, well, it could be some of it i didn't watch the colors necessarily to to like try to figure out what it was red was obviously bad because yeah. whenever it got really hectic and evil it was red but also it the way that it, he frames things everything is kind of like it's not like friday the 13th three towards the camera but he always the way he frames things there's one where freddy gets both his arms chopped off and then he regrows his arms and they come out and he's completely like encompassing the entire width of the screen yeah i loved i love that that reminds me of some stuff in part one of mm. nightmare on elm street but yeah, once too, again the, the wide I'm, arms yeah. yeah but i'm gonna talk about that when we get back to Freddy. remember that. God, yeah. yeah. I'm sure we'll re talk I'm gonna, about I'm going to re-listen to it and have everything ready yeah. to go. Payoffs. But also, I think the biggest aspect of Ronnie Yu's influence to this is a lot of the blood and the gore scenes and that really over-the-top action. Uh, this movie does feel a lot less censored than a lot of the previous entries because yeah. there's a lot of blood in this. I think the MPAA is, uh, at this time, and I think Kill Bill had a lot to do with this yeah. too, the splatter gore is so over the top that it almost it's almost can't... comical exactly and i think that's why those movies have been getting a pass it's like in a phantasm i remember i'm not sure how true this is but i remember hearing a story about the 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 silver ball that goes into people's head and yeah. comes out the back yeah they originally i think got an x or something the rating they couldn't get it shown because of the blood that comes out so what they did is they shot more blood out of it so that it didn't look real and it was just gushing, gushing blood and that allowed them to get the R for them to show it. So it is that way over the top, too far for it to be realistic. Yeah. Trailblazers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and But in this one, that Asian influence of... like So Kill Bill is a pretty good reference because that is heavily Asian influenced. Same Hong year Kong too, films. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so like the chops and the... The blood geysers that come out of people out of the, like you see the the chop with the machete and then it's just yeah. and it, it flies through the air the yeah. blood and, and the heads fall off just as easy yeah. as they do in Kill Bill yeah exactly and so I think that is a lot of what Ronnie Yu brings to this film and it feels really fresh it does and especially at this time in two thousand three Kill Bill was big the Asian or the Hong Kong influence specifically I should say was. Yeah, it was he, actually it started in the nineties, like the late nineties. Yeah, mid, the I mean late after 90s. the Jackie Chan crossover yeah. stuff, but also post two thousand, Crouching Tiger yeah. was definitely yeah. the key. I mean, like, and, and then, so that was it was still riding that wave. And Ronnie Yu, like I said, a few years before this, he did Bride of Chucky, and but this one feels even a little bit more like one of those, like a violent horror 
Hong Kong action movie in the action sequences specifically. Yeah. And it's like the... And just beyond those action sequences, which I feel are directly influenced by Hong Kong cinema, talking about the framing, the... I've talked about, like, the Dutch angles before, where it's, like, sideways and make you feel uneasy. But if you watch how Ronnie Yu frames each sequence in this movie, it's really unique and it's really interesting. It's uh, just the way he visually does things. Some of it feels a little cheesy now. Some of the, the slow motion and like skipping frames or fast motion for that sometimes, hmm. I don't really like so much. There was yeah. the dream sequence where it was upstairs and it was uh, Lori's dream sequence and the, the floor like gets the bump in it and she falls over. And there's that really weird like jerky movement with the sure. camera that he yeah, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that so much. But I think they use some of that in the institution uh, yeah. dream sequences and and real life yeah. stuff too. I don't. Yeah, if I've never really liked that, and yeah. but that does. I've I've seen that in kind of Hong Kong cinema as well. Yeah. But yeah, definitely the the aerial stuff is. I'm a huge East Asian cinema fan in general, Japanese, yeah. Chinese, Hong Kong. And I think that's why that comes through. Yeah, yeah. and that's why I asked you that question because yeah. I knew you would have an answer for sure. it and an opinion. Yeah, that, that's bright with white hair. Is, you should check it out. Okay. It. Yeah. Uh, so, do you mind if I talk about some of the characters? Yeah, absolutely. The characters, yeah. <laughs> we bash the characters in these last few movies of the Friday series. Sure. Even Jason X, who we were like, these are shorthand characters, they are completely flat, and we only relate because we've seen other movies. And, and not that this movie doesn't have garbage people in it, because sure. it's not short on them that's it's, for sure and some true. of them are long-term garbage people <laughs> i think yeah i well dude. we'll get to and some characters favorite. are completely yeah. terrible yeah. but i love the uh i love the mark character yeah i mean not only did he he's definitely there to move the plot along sure but he does it in a great way yeah and that guy just a good actor yeah. like i don't even know the guy's name i forgot it already <laughs> but that guy conveyed really good emotion and even that that story arc with his brother i mean man i felt that i felt yeah. that for him man like that is so rare in these movies that you actually like and and, and a few of the characters really did that but i think yeah. he for me he wins this one i think so. a lot of that is yeah i agree i really like that character and i've always liked that character from the first time i saw it and i think a lot of that i was paying attention and watching because like I do like these characters as I, I was feeling that and then I was trying to pay attention to why do I like them are they reeling them up and they are they did build them up fairly well um, but even like the brother story with Mark it was there was only he was only in a few scenes in this movie yeah and the scene with his brother was one scene and but you still felt it and a lot of that I think has to do with the quality of the acting from these people yeah. the ones that they put in these positions fit the role they may not be the best actor but they fit the role that they were supposed to do very well and i think a lot of that has to do with the casting i think the casting in this movie is really good yeah it's it's, it's pretty damn decent with yeah. a few exceptions yeah. yeah even you know kelly rowland she she works for what she's yeah. supposed to be you yeah know, she's not an actress but she's not bad in this yeah she, was she, she gets her she gets her stuff across yeah she was i think the the scene i liked her her character in least was the one where she was mouthing off directly to Freddy. Yeah. It felt a little weird to me and a little off, but it worked because I think in that moment that character would have been terrified out of her mind and she was trying to sound tough, but it didn't come across as that. Because and, they, they talked about that earlier yeah. in the movie. So I feel like that was intentional. It wasn't her being a bad actress. It was intentionally supposed to be, 
I don't, she doesn't sound convincing, but she's not supposed to. She's terrified. She knows she's probably going to die. Yeah, because that guy even figures her out yeah. less than halfway through exactly. the film. So yeah. it's a full circle thing. She redeems herself by trying to empower her character yeah. in a way that helps her friends now. Right. Instead of maybe hurting somebody else in the process, yeah. you know, uh, on a kind of weird bullying level, which she kind yeah. of is. She was, yeah. Yeah. For and then she uses she uses those harsh bully terms against Freddie yeah. that we won't mention. But yeah, so there is a, there is more depth in there than I thought there would be, especially yeah. this go around. Yeah, so that was impressive. And uh, on the like, other side of the coin, yeah. oh, I was gonna say I like the Linderman character too. I always kind of gravitated towards him, especially when I first saw it. I think. Oh yeah, I think it's just relatable. mostly because of his character and like how he how he does it i think he's good he reminds me of miles teller like i always would try to place him he looks like a little miles teller huh. so yeah i always i see a lot of these people in this movie remind me of other people it's, it's kind yeah, of yeah yeah that's the thing and when they talked about some of the people that had auditioned and really should have had the roles yeah the ronnie you or somebody like turned him down saying Oh, well, you know, they might be a little too famous for this. Right. Uh, Apparently Ian Summerheld, or however you say his name, you know what I'm talking about, (laughs) right? He He got cast in it, and Ronnie was like, he's too good looking. (laughs) That was funny. That's funny. (laughs) So, but uh, on the other side of the coin. Yeah. The Shelley Award. Yeah. By a mile, you know, go ahead. Who gets the Shelley Award? The the fake Jason Muse in this character, the the drug kid who yeah, Freebird. Who yeah. the first two times I saw it, I thought his name was Freebird. I did too. Yeah, <laughs> so, it might as well be. Yeah, it might as well. Yeah. He so at the beginning of the movie, after the sequence where Freddy explains everything and he kind of sets it all up, saying that he's bringing Jason back and he's setting him loose on Elm Street to sow fear into the children or the kids or whatever so that they will have fear therefore that freddy can use that as the doorway back into their dreams to kill him at the house there's a house party at 1428 elm street so it's uh, the house from the original i yeah, believe nancy's house yeah yes, nancy's house is. so they set up the characters of Lori and kia who's kelly rowland and gib who uh, she always reminded me of another actress too. Yeah, I kind of I forget who it was. So I think someone had mentioned in some commentary that she wore the red hat uh, to pay tribute to PJ Souls because she is oh, the really? PJ Souls yeah. of the movie. Exactly. Yeah. So lots of lots of influences and references. But they set all these characters up, and we follow these characters, and then they go to a rave, and that's where the kid with the drugs shows up, and he just joins this group, and no one even acknowledges that he's joined this group. He's just now part of it. Yeah, and it's not like, hey, come with us if you want to live. It's just like <laughs> they're in this meeting in this house somewhere where they don't really explain it. It's like the people that are still alive from that original group plus the kids that are still alive from the institution. Yeah, I think that's Freeberg's place if I had to guess. Yeah, I think it is because it, like, it looks like it looks like that '70s show yeah. in there. Yeah. yeah, it looks like the basement from that '70s show. <laughs> yeah. And so they're all in there, and Freeberg is there. He's just part of the group now, and yeah. we have to accept it. Like even if you don't like him, you have to accept it because there he is. Well, Gib never got to tell them about how much of a dick he was in the beer right. line, yeah. <laughs> talking about her dead boyfriend. Yeah. So there's there's nothing uh, there's nothing to hate about him as far yeah, as that goes. That's true. <laughs> and so he rubs me the wrong way on like every single level. I don't like drug humor a lot of the times. Sometimes it works. Like I mean, I can't say I don't like it in every movie. I like Super Troopers, and sure. so but I like Up and Smoke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the way 
a lot of the things this character says, I was talking to you during the movie, one thing that I really dislike about characters is where they're when they're in these completely unbelievable situations that cannot happen in real reality, in actuality, and they there's someone in the room that says, hey, this is odd, I don't think this, I think maybe we should rethink this, and then this other character goes, no, this is how it is, this supernatural thing that never could ha- ever happen is happening, and just accept it, because that's how the world is now. I hate characters like that, it bugs me so much. So he's already a shit character, and yeah. then he goes and says that. Yeah, it's like, just, they completely, I feel like it's there for the audience to help them just accept it like (laughs) shut up like don't question it accept it and I don't like being talked down to in my movies and I feel like that's what that character does and but then he goes and of course he takes drugs and then the caterpillar scene I don't like that yeah that one's a bit of a stretch yeah I think it worked better in Freddy's Dead but that's for another episode (laughs) I feel like I feel like all of his stuff was... You talked about the Frankensteining of the script, how it was written so many times, and they just kind of sort of pieced it together. <laughs> That's one of those I feel instances. like that kind of got through. I feel like that was ripped to shreds, and then somehow it got into the copier when they were making the final copies, and it just kind of landed there in the <laughs> middle, and they just went ahead and shot it. Yeah, at least when Freddy inhabits the Freeberg body yeah. he immediately gets a character upgrade yeah like his his best two minutes on screen yeah are with Freddy being inside of yeah. him <laughs> and I like the way he got killed and yeah. yeah he did go out so but I was thinking about it so after he died when we were watching the movie I was thinking so why is this character here if no one even acknowledged his existence he serves no purpose up to that point I mean that was his purpose was to put Jason, do the tranquilizers, and get inhabited by Freddy. I feel like they needed a throwaway character that people wouldn't care about to play that role so that they could just get rid of him. Because they were building these other characters up to an arc that needed to pay off. The person that got killed by Jason in that moment in the institution kind of had to be a character. It didn't have to be, but it helped to be a character that didn't really have a story arc. So I feel like that's why this guy was inserted. Yep. So for that, I can kind of forgive it, but I still don't like the Caterpillar, and I still don't like this guy. Sure. I don't like his lines. I wish he would just not speak. They could have had the cop do it. They could have had Stubbs be the one to do it. Yeah, because the electrocution is just kind of a nothing. Yeah. I always think that's kind of a nothing death. I feel like <laughs> yeah, I feel like he had a story arc that didn't pay off. Yeah. So I, That would have been cool yeah. if... I don't know how I'm... I, I'm trying to, you know, I put I put a couple of script ideas in some of these episodes. Yeah. I'm trying to come up with a way for him to get there. I'm sure if I thought about it longer, I could. But this one's yeah. a little more in depth than a lot of the yeah. other entries. So, but yeah, I, get, I get, I get send, send us an email and right, tell us yeah. your idea on how Stubbs can be the Freddy conduit. Right. And then, yeah, I get that I it was kind of tough, and they it was convenient to have someone who was out of his mind on drugs and that's how freddy got into him i understand that because none of these other people would dare to go to sleep no so it makes sense but someone could have got knocked out stubs could have got knocked out by jason there it's done yeah right or get slightly electrocuted but not die right so yeah Yeah. easy enough sure so i don't know that's if i have a complaint about this movie and i really don't have many it's that character the freebird character i feel i wish that he just wasn't in it yeah it would have been, it would have been a better movie yeah. like overall like from a you know if you if you're giving it 
seven stars, you might have given it seven and a half for him yeah. not being in there. Right. So was there was there some stuff in this movie, Chris, that really that Jason did that you've never seen before that you enjoyed? Like, you know, he's definitely making more tracks than he ever has in any movie ever, especially yeah. covering the ground that he covered. And that even includes part eight. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because <laughs> we don't have any kind of mileage here. I mean, from what I remember, mm. and someone's going to trash me if I'm wrong about this, and I'm sorry, but I believe Springwood is supposed to be in Illinois. That sounds right. I think it originally was either, it's like that. It's like the Springfield thing. It's either yeah. Massachusetts or Illinois. Pretty sure it's Illinois. Would it be near Haddonfield then? Like, <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. I but like, you know, and Crystal Lake is apparently still supposed to be. It's in New Jersey, right? Or New yeah. York, yeah. Up, upstate New York that's, or yeah. New Jersey. So, so that's not close to to Illinois. Yeah. So making tracks, man, they were hauling ass in that van. <laughs> I was gonna say this all happened in one night, or the the last portion of the movie happened in one night, and they drove with Jason in the van, tranquilized every five minutes, apparently, <laughs> yeah. with like full syringes of it. But yeah, yeah. so you, you kind of have to forgive some things in this movie for it to work. But okay. you don't have to forgive as much, I don't think, as. Almost any of the previous, especially the previous few Friday the 13th movies, you don't have to forgive as much for this movie to work. Um, I do wonder where Jason was. Like, he wasn't in hell, apparently. He was just buried somewhere. Yeah, he was buried in the in the woods of Crystal yeah, Lake. I guess. Like, so. six feet under, apparently, because yeah. he's like six five six six in this movie yeah that's one thing i wanted so okay so let's talk about some of the cool jason things like uh, things that as a fan if you are a big fan of jason and i am i think i don't know i wouldn't say i'm a bigger fan of jason than i am of freddy i think that's really difficult for me but if we were going to have a debate between the two i would very easily take the jason side and debate you sure why not yeah (laughs) but we're not going to do that here yeah but maybe maybe next maybe next time but the so some of the things I really liked, uh, I like the rave scene quite a bit. I think that's really fun because in this movie for Jason, kinda, yeah, for Jason, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, we talked about in or I talked about in the previous one how Jason X is not a slasher; it's a monster movie. Okay. And this one, it did feel a little bit more like a slasher, but it was still kind of it was. It, this one's hard to categorize, really. Yeah, because so there's tons of action. Yeah, in this sequence, it was more like an action horror. Yeah. The uh, in the he Jason feels like this huge force of nature, and yeah. he's just he's gigantic, like you said, he's seven foot something. And yeah, they set that up really well yeah. in the first scene after he rises from the ground. Yeah. Yeah. That scene where he's walking away out of the shot, yeah, and it's just like clump, clump. Yeah. It's like, dude, this guy weighs five hundred pounds. Yeah. You know, like. It's it's set up to where he is just the man, yeah. you know, like and so here the we rave, go. Yeah, the rave is happening in that cornfield and Jason is as he's walking through it, you can he's towering above the corn when everybody else is down and hidden in it. They, <laughs> so that that does set up a really cool dynamic of the, the kids can't see anything, but Jason can kinda see everything above him. Yeah, you see him if Freddie was in there let's yeah. say he was pulled in the real world, it looked like the Raptors yeah, and the exactly. Lost World. Yeah, you know? yeah. But <laughs> you know? one of the coolest things for me is when he goes after the two drunk guys and the drunk guy spits whatever on him and lights Jason on fire. Yeah. And be like, oh, now he's like ten times more frightening. Because yeah, Jason just... can't die. He's not going to go down. Now he's on fire. Yeah. Now he's like like even better than uber super Jason from Jason X, I think. Yeah. This, this 
on fire Jason coming at you is one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen in cinema. <laughs> NBA Jam. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It, it, it was on fire it, in this scene. Like there yeah. was, I counted with the two drunk people and the Gib and the guy that was on top of her, and then all the people in the rave. I think he killed. Uh, how many is it? A half a dozen, he at killed, least. Yeah, he killed ten people in that. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And Dude, all that... mostly while on fire, and he kills that one guy with a flaming machete that he throws across. That's such a yeah, cool scene. It's great, like in the overhead shot where he's walking yeah, slowly through the field. It's all cool. fucking on fire. I love that. Talking about Ronnie Yu's eye and the cinematography. Oof. Like, there's so many awesome, memorable shots, really, within these scenes, and you see that, and it's this wide cornfield is dark and kind of green but there's this bright orange and yellow line where you see jason just walking across chasing this guy it's so cool so cool and i also of course i like the final battle between jason and freddy and you know what let's save that because i feel the fight analysis should go on the Freddy side of things because I think Freddy's offense is a lot more innovative. So let's give it to Freddy. Uh, okay. What do you think? Innovative? Yeah. 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 So. <laughs> You're already getting into debate mode. I can see your yeah. face. Uh-huh. So since <laughs> when you we... nod at me and say yeah, yeah, and yeah. point at me that's like great, you're doing great now, radio, that's, yeah. it's great radio. <laughs> that's that's your debate face, and you're getting well. I like when you get point. the Ed Wood hands. Yeah. You, know, you get the Ed Wood hands. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Totally. So. Since we're talking about cool shots and awesome yeah. things, we're on fire. Favorite death scene, Chris? This is a tough one. It starts with... Well, the first one takes place in a dream. I don't know if I count the one with the... We talked about the girl that, that gets stabbed up against a tree because it's a dream and she doesn't really die even. So it's kind of a murder. Uh, I'm stalling, but the... I like the kid in the bed. I think it's... Uh, Trey. The, oh, the first one. The very first one. Jason just, Dude, just completely stabs him like three or four times. Psycho mode. And then folds the bed up backwards and he's still alive. You hear him go, oh, when he yeah, does that. Yeah. And oh. yeah. I think I'm going to go with that one. Well, that was the one I had. Okay. So now I get to stall. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I guess I'm going to have to, it's garbage people, shitty dude award night. All right. So Trey is a shitty dude. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess technically he's not a garbage person because his death kicks off the plot. Mm. However, okay. I think he's kind of a garbage person. Mm. Plus, I don't like shitty dudes, frat boy mentality. Right. So, to kind of tie into that, I'm going with the discount Power Man 5000 guy at the rave, the glow raver guy oh, that's going to yeah. that's going to rape Gib. Yeah. Or, you know, while she's unconscious. Yeah. yeah. And uh he gets he gets the uh, shish kebab treatment, yeah. but then Gibbs stays on the ground, but since he has him still on the skewer, yeah. he just tosses him that the was fuck, fun. like, yeah. just, like, Hail Mary, <laughs> which has never happened in yeah. any of the any of these movies, really, yeah. I think. So, you know what? Yeah, I think even That's just right there, it's not even because you took my original one, <laughs> I'm actually glad you did, because right. I gotta point that one out. That one was great. That's a good one. And yeah, it has that great upward shot, upward angle shot, where he just gets smaller up into the sky, and he just kind of goes away. Yeah, it's pretty it's good stuff. All that stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah you regret everything. Right? Because <laughs> this, yeah, so... This movie is over the top, and it's ridiculous, and it is a little bit funny. We were talking about how big Jason is in this movie, and I'm not going to get into the analysis of their fight, but I want to say that I think Jason needed to be as huge as he was in this movie, because Freddy is a normal-sized guy, 
And to have... If Jason was the same size as Freddy, this wouldn't work as well. Jason had to be this behemoth of a creature that was coming at people. And it, it... Not just the movements of Jason, but just his size up next to him... It needed to be that dynamic between yeah. the two so that Freddy could run around him, slash, slash, yeah. slash. And it, so you could get that out so that we could see him getting all that slashing. Because like you said, we've never seen that stuff before. Yeah, and that, it, it needed to look like you versus Dirk Nowinski or yeah. Manute Bowl yeah. or something. <laughs> and the people outside of that, the regular people, had to be just completely dwarfed. They have no chance against either one of these people, but for completely different reasons. Yes. We talked about the red and the blue so they they do a fantastic job, I think, of setting the two main characters, Freddy and Jason, on opposite corners. Even though they kind of do the same thing, they murder people, but they set them apart so well in this movie that when they do clash, it does feel like a clash of personalities as much as it is size and methodology and everything else. I think everything about it is really well done, I think. Agreed. And... For a movie this over the top and fun, yeah. it only has six breasts in it, Chris. It's our <laughs> Joe Bob trophy of the right. night. Six you, breasts. Are you counting the ones in the magazine that, nope. that Nokia was looking through? No. Nope. All right. No, those, those don't count because that's like medical the, text. You, you counted know? the ones on the video and the are the, the, the film reel. And, yeah, because stock photos are different than okay. VR. All right. I'm going to have to... You know, I, like, I still like how in the last one it was all synthetic breasts. All right. <laughs> but uh, these were all... Uh, one of them was in a dream sequence. That's true, but yeah, yeah and kind of, and, and a dead girl on top of that, which doesn't happen a lot in these movies. That's another thing. Oh yeah. So there's that, and that's all I got. I, right. I seem to hit the wall once I get to the breast count. Right. You just start thinking about boobs. I think. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. So kill count in this one, I counted 19 total, uh, plus one in the dream sequence. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> I can't remember what I read earlier, and yeah. I, re- I read the I read the IMDb trivia track, so I may have missed we'll, one or two. It was hard to keep up in some of the scenes. It's, we'll wrap it all up on the yeah. on, on night thirteen. You're going to sure. get the tail of the tape from me over here. Mm-hmm. So yes, and we're almost there. This was night eleven, heading into night twelve tomorrow night. And where can they find that, Joey? On cnjradio.com, all thirteen of these episodes and all the upcoming episodes of Last Theater on the Left. It doesn't stop here. And I've already teased the Nightmare on Elm Street big, uh, big <laughs> to do right. next spring. Us to do that, yeah. We're gonna do other things between there, of course. So stay tuned on cnjradio.com. Also home of my show, Rock Strikes Ten, really fun thematic weekly show of rock and roll, all six decades. Also a cool alternative, the Synaptic Empire podcast featuring Randy Brown, who is a true alternative. And last year on the left. Not only podcasts, but reviews that you can read on the website. And as if we weren't involved in enough podcasts, Wrestling House Show is coming back in podcast form sooner than later. But until then, also read Chris's reviews on the site as well. So, cnjradio.com. Big things doing in all things rock culture. Awesome. So I have a question for you before we go away. So, continuing the Friday the 13th, if this is a continuation of the Friday the 13th series... We talked about how much I love Jason being on fire, but he got put out by someone else. Why didn't Jason call the rain? We have established for a fact that Jason can control the weather, rain, and electricity. That is that is canon at this point. Yeah. Why didn't he do it? I don't know. Yeah. And I'm trying to think if there's any rain in the next one. 
but I'm, I'm not sure. I, don't know. I guess you'll have to tune in tomorrow night to find out. We will find out. All right. Bye. <laughs>